Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, welcome. Life let's chat. It's hard. You want to talk? I know, that's disappointing. Sit back. Let's work this How's out. How's it going? What are we doing here? Yeah. Where are you going? I do want to say trigger warnings ahead, y'all. Trigger warnings by Ellie. Beep, beep. Train to Trigger Town. Chugging through. We are chugging through Trigger Town. This guy is just a, a walking suitcase of triggers for people, for our listeners, I think. Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg, and I'm here with Therese Garcia. Hello. And today we're discussing, this is actually happening, episode 298, What If You Were Caught in the Gears of the Machine? Oh. Our anonymous storyteller grows up in an affluent but abusive and violent home with constant conflict and no direction. His parents have a contentious divorce when he's 11. He feels unseen, unloved, and unworthy. But when his mom marries his stepdad, who's a cop, he begins to find some community. He lives in this cop world and soaks in their beliefs, mantras, methods, and habits. He's an easy mark for the Marines and joins wholeheartedly. He takes it, he takes to it easily. He believes in his mission, even though that mission is unclear, but he believes he is in the right as an occupier in Iraq post 9-11. Later on, he joins the police force, which leads him to being on the domestic violence unit. It's there he sees the truly flawed humanity of relationships. He also witnesses the junk that clogs these systems of justice and protection. He's suffering from PTSD, but doesn't know it, drinking himself to death every night to cope, leading him to a devastating burn accident, which lands him near death. After a painful and long recovery, he returns to the police world. He faces down corruption as a SWAT commander and is eventually sacked for calling it out. After a difficult year of self-medicating and feeling suicidal, he begins looking towards psychedelics as a way to heal. He does this tough work in the dark, and he feels he can see this machine quite clearly and wonders if we can ever come together to escape it. And full disclosure, I am the showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and I have the privilege to vet stories 
and conduct pre-interviews before they go to WIT for the final interview. And T knows nothing about anything. She comes in fresh. And this show, Trauma Slash Bonded, is for the listeners, a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy and also a bit of levity. That's Trauma Bonded. what stuck out to you is the heart of Anonymous's story. So there's a lot going on in this this episode, but I think I could give the heart in one word. Okay. Camouflage. Oh, shit. <laughs> I love your reactions. Go on. Obviously, there's a connection to war, right? But there's a lot around, you know, conforming to blend in. Right. Mm. You know, growing up to, <clears throat> excuse me, everything looked good on a surface level. Right. But beneath, not good. But he did everything to blend in. Right. Joining the Marines, the SWAT. And, and he started to kind of forget this other piece of him that was more around like mm. being a philosopher, you know, questioning things. Right. Just push it out of your head. Mm-hmm. That's the way to survive. Right. Because you, you use camouflage to survive. Mm-hmm. Also, there's that idea of like transforming your identity so that you can feel like you belong. But ultimately, he uses camouflage to kind of hide himself, but really to protect himself. Um, and then in the process, he himself was invisible. <laughs> but yes. Um, but yeah, that's really good. What was your heart? You know, um, I, I did I did have trouble for, with this one from the outset just because this is a world it's a glimpse into a world and a life that I don't know I'm not near at all like this is so outside of my periphery I don't know anyone that is a cop or is in the military or that has any even close to wanting any of that um like I said, I really had to like work on my empathy muscle here um, and be able to kind of see past these like situations that I don't understand and and just accept them on the face of it. And that kind of led me to what I think the heart of the story is. And, and you could say this is the heart of the story for a lot of our episodes that we talk about. But for for me, for this one, it was this idea that no one is truly one dimensional. Mm. And and I think he's he try is trying to get at this idea as well. Like we have this us versus them mentality. And the way that we're able to do that is because we project onto people preconceived ideas that we have about them, but also make them fit a a narrative or a box that's not fair because no one is truly one dimensional. Um, And I think it's his interest in philosophy that really sort of saves him in a lot of ways, because I think when you're into philosophy, you're reading a lot of philosophy. It It teaches you to think and consider and analyze and explore And this sort of practice 
can help a man avoid all of the toxicity that can come with these sorts of violent jobs like cop and Marine and SWAT. And so that dynamic is healthy and we all have it because no one is truly one dimensional. Um, And as soon as we decide that other people are, that's where we've lost sight of their humanity. It is that sort of thinking that divides us. And um, because all people, all people, all people, have deep pain and emptiness and and they're seeking all people and and they might not ever express that you might not ever hear anything like that come out of them but i guarantee you that it's there it's the rest of the stuff that we sort of wear as a garment oh. camouflage mm-hmm. to protect us i love that because i feel like it's a it's a lesson for us all and you said it. Yeah. It's helping you with your empathy on this one. Totes. But just even even the way he talks, he's sort of got like he's like a little braggadocio, right? Mm-hmm. And at first it just kind of like kept putting me off. But the more I listened to it, the more I considered that he's learned this way to speak. He's learned this way of telling stories. This comes from seeing some shit mm-hmm. and living in this sort of world where gruff, hardened, traumatized men tell stories of their manliness. So it, it just feels like a learned style of speaking. Like you you can imagine him being with these guys in the Marines. You can imagine him being with the SWAT people, you know, sitting around a party telling a story of when, you know, his A25 bomb went off in Iraq or whatever and he saved his platoon. Mm-hmm. It's it's very what we perceive as how to speak about doing the ship. And 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 it's like weird because in a way he's he's earned this bragging cuz he has seen shit that a lot of us will never see. Like some real shit of life, war, domestic violence, like up close, like in in people's spaces and homes and personal lives and then you know he has a near-death experience and then and then to go through this healing with ayahuasca and to realize that the most of these experience most of these horrible experiences that he's coming in contact with have been for nothing they've been for a few pockets to get lined for a few power trips to get worked out Mm -hmm. and yeah let's talk about um this need to find acceptance and community. Mm -hmm. This was also a big, a big one for me Um, because I think, and tell me if you disagree with me, I think that it's natural and normal for us as humans to want acceptance and and community. The healthiest among us, the, the mental, the most mentally healthy people still seek out community it's not like something that can be rooted out of us. I think it's like innate. It's natural yeah. in, in human beings. We're like pack animals. Yeah. We, we must, we must be with others. And the way he puts it, it's almost like if you don't get a good like cushion of like protection of love around you as a kid, you're just like waiting to be plucked up by a group, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? To, to add, get added to oh, their yeah. community whether it's like religion or sports or you get really into music or movies or you're a tech guy or you're an influencer 
or you're just into money and affluence, you know, so that you've got your brand name, you know, I only wear Chanel, I only wear Gucci, you know, <laughs> these are all like, or law and order, like he kind of was attracted to because of his stepdad. It's like, what, what groups do you belong to and where do you find your acceptance and community? And then how do you align that to your own identity? Yeah. Because once you start to connect with a community, you might identify yourself with them, right? Whatever that might be. Right. Or they might have tenets that you believe in are and already are in you. But then once you get into it, you like they're they're telling you like, well, uh, if you look at our list of dogma, we've also got you've got like one through six, but we've also got seven through ten. Like you need to work on those. And you're like, but I don't I'm not really into seven through ten. Like I like one through six. Yeah. And they're like, no, you you have to do all to be part. And then you like kind of slowly give up maybe the nuance of yourself. Yeah. So that you can abide by the credos that these groups put forward. I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about this desire for acceptance and community. And in that way, I feel like it's hard to even realize or know who you are because you start to compromise yourself almost so slowly that you don't even realize you're doing it i don't think it happens yeah. so obviously all the time like that like seven yeah. through ten it's like, yeah it's a slow you know oh no i'm accidentally in a cult you know right and this is what he's talking about and this is the this the sinister nature of propaganda like it, it's slow and methodical and you don't realize it's happening until like you're completely gone you know, he talks about it, I'm jumping sort of toward the end, like these messages that he's uttering at the end. And after kind of going through the ayahuasca ceremonies, like realizing what he has to deal with. And he talks about how you can't love yourself. So you find a group to love you. Mm -hmm. So considering that community and, and wanting to belong is normal, and natural for even the most healthy of us. It made me start wondering, what is the difference between finding community acceptance or love or validation like he's talking about versus the way a healthy person does it? Do these look different? And I think I found an answer. Oh, good. And this is debatable because this is just me trying to rectify it in my brain. Okay. Right? I'm curious now. I think, oh, good. I was trying to pique your curiosity. Uh-huh. So I think the difference, an unhealthy psyche seeking validation through community is doing it in the way that it looks is them taking from a community. Whereas a person that's seeking acceptance and community that maybe has, is healthy or is mentally healthy or has a healthy psyche joins these sorts of groups to give, to give of themselves, to give up their time to give of their skills, maybe to give of their money, their experience. They want to help. They want to uh, teach. They want to save. And now that I'm saying it out loud, it does. it's not, again, it's a gray. It, <laughs> these aren't black and white ideas. What do you think? Well, the way you said it made it feel like the healthy way. It almost felt a bit religious to me for some reason. No, I know. 
It's funny because as I was finishing up my thought, I was like, mm, that sounds that's actually not really healthy either. Well, I think for me, it's just like when you're going to join in on a community that they accept you for how you are, even if you're not necessarily agreeing with everything they say or do everything they say, dress the way they do, or they accept you as you are. Yeah. Whereas another way would be like, you must abide by all of these rules in order to fit in and you need to sacrifice your own self to belong wow okay i think you have it right well i don't know probably it's not about your relationship to the group it's about the group's relationship to you Mm. okay so when you're thinking about your relationship to the group i was boiling it down to like givers and takers yeah no i like a give and take i like that distinction that's where it can get money, though, in religion, because we were taught give, 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 give. And what, what that ended up doing was completely denying self, which also isn't healthy. There, there has to be a balance. But the way you're framing it is whatever you're joining to belong or feel acceptance, it, that should be automatically built in there. That is the point of being, of being in that community, that it's not trying to change you, but it's like people coming together mm-hmm. to celebrate their differences. Yeah. And, and maybe I would say if it was a give and take, it might be the opposite of what you say. Yeah. That um, you might go in and you're able to take stuff away from the experience as a good thing. Yeah. And then, but like giving yourself, giving up yourself and everything of your own, that whole sacrificing of yourself thing. It's like, maybe that's the bad thing, bad way. Yeah. Yeah. There should be a, like a symbiosis, symbiosis, like a flow. Yeah. Flow. Yeah. Giving and taking. Yeah. Maybe it isn't give or take it's give and take. Yeah. Totes. Well, and the, how are how what how are we're talking about it is sort of different than these sorts of groups. The Marines exist. It has to be a cult because they believe that in order to produce excellent Marines, there has to be some sort of cultiness in it. They do want to erase you. They do want to erase yourself and build you as this like superhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a duty. Right. Let's talk a little bit about when he says there's only two branches of the armed forces, Oh, the army and the Navy, because the Air Force is a corporation and the Marines is a cult. So I turn to our old buddy, Quora. Oh, Quora. Q-U. It's funny because Scott calls it Quora. I don't like Quora because I only like can ask a question and then it's like, that's it. Do you have like a... Well, then you can read someone's answer. But someone asked this question, then, you know, why do people say this? What I just said, what he said. And a Marine and a cop uh, gave an answer. I'm just going to read what he wrote. Actually, the Admiral said the Army and Navy are run like traditional military organizations. The Air Force is run like a corporation. The Marine Corps is a cult. (laughs) Um, He says... We have an unnatural affection for the Corps. We feel that we should conduct ourselves so that the Marines who came before us will not be dishonored. We must conduct ourselves so the Marines living won't spit when our names are mentioned. And we must conduct ourselves to be examples to those who follow us. You find that Army Rangers have this attitude about the Rangers. The difference is that 
only they only feel it for other rangers and in the core we feel it for the core as an entity and he says i was a cop got punched in the throat by a guy who had 100 pounds of muscle on me we got him down i cuffed him i put him in the cruiser i fought off passing out by thinking of my grandfather and repeatedly told myself you are a marine act like it don't let him know you are hurt over and over i got the only other marine on the street to grab my hoister belt in the back to keep me on my feet he spent 24 hours longer in the hospital than i more than once telling myself you're a marine act like it got me through serious physical and psychological stress if the core isn't a cult i'd like to know what it is but even that would require a response by another Marine. Because if you aren't a Marine, your opinion about the Corps means nothing. So I'll never know. It's a lot. That is a lot. I don't know. We're in such uncharted territory. We are not qualified. I, I found that really plan. interesting. But I'm also like, okay. Okay. Um, I know. It's, it's just... I'm it's just me trying to I just want to understand and this is a world I'll never understand but I'm trying I'm really trying to it feels a lot like legacy is important does it feel like I was just gonna think like 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 a family kind of thing I it's hard to compare it it's like this elite unique best of the best mentality and they're so trained to give up their own physical desires. You know, they're, this is all intentional. You know, the, the Marines like roots it out of you. It's only about Marine. It's only about, what does he say? What is, what is the mantra? Oh, God, country, core. Mm -hmm. God, country, core and Waffle House. Um, <laughs> and I think, and, and there's, there's like a brotherhood, right? Yeah. Or, uh, uh, these people, when they meet each other in the wild, yeah, <laughs> there's there's this automatic knowing, right? You're a marine. Oh, I'm a marine. You know, it's a very specific kind of training and living and being, and I think it's probably got a lot of like healthy attributes to it, but especially when it comes to this acceptance and belonging and like standard of up excellence. But obviously, it also has its problems because it, it roots yourself right out of you. And then once you're sort of spit out of that machine, then what? You know, I'm sure it's a very debilitating way to have to navigate the, the world when you're used to it sort of being navigated for you in this very strict environment especially when all the people around you in the Marines are living these same standards that you are. And now you're spit out into this world where you might be living those standards, but no one else around you yeah. is it, like, that's gotta be really disheartening. I think we all feel that in certain ways without being in the Marines. Like I'm doing, I'm in therapy, I'm doing the work, you know, but Dick Cheney isn't when, is, when is Dick Cheney going to do it? Because <laughs> I can change myself, but how do I change these, these systems well, he's not gonna do around me? He's not going to do it. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about practicing SWAT with cops. Oh, it sounded like so much fun to him. He gets to play the bad guy. This, this whole little section I had trouble with. What, what does that mean to, they're very rough, but fair men. He said this a couple of times. They're fair men. What is that? I mean, they have a set of, ethics or something yeah. set of principles that they abide by inside and outside of 
law enforcement. And if you don't follow it, I guess you're going to the hospital. Yeah. What's ask make? What's ask yeah. tell make? You ask once. They who's, don't do who's it. Asking? And oh. then, you t- then you tell them. Oh. If- <laughs> Real? And then if they don't do it again, now you make, you make them physically is what I'm thinking and violently. And the lesson that they're learning is best learned in the hospital. I think the lesson too is do it when they ask or you're that much closer. And we don't have to get to tell. Yeah. Gross. Yuck. It is very yuck. Um, Yeah. And then of course, because this is the way, this is the ethics of being a SWAT cop or cop or whatever. And they're not allowed to actually like talk about their feelings. This translates into being them really heavy drinkers. Also not good for you. Violence. Or religious or they go to the gym a lot. I think I would do the drinking. Yeah. Most of us would. But they sound like a scary bunch. Yeah. It's like, oh, can you pass the salt? And they're like, oh, I didn't hear you. Boom. You get punched in the face. You're like, hold on a second, dude. I didn't even, you know, it's a lot. And they're watching you. And if you're not living by the same code, you're indicted, right? So maybe I could walk into the situation and go, I don't, I don't live like that. I never put anyone in the hospital. Just basic principle. I keep my hands to myself. They're like, no, this is how you do it. And we're going to put you in the hospital if you don't abide by that. Um, Where did these people come from? I don't know. When did, when did to protect and serve become this like militarized pursuit? And I don't want to get into this. I don't want to talk about cops. We all have our feelings about cops. Um, all cops are bastards is a point of view that people believe in. Defund the police is a point of view that people have. Um I, I do think that we have gotten very almost too black and white on this issue, right? Uh, there There is some need for policing somewhere at some point, but it does feel like very corrupt. It feels very, uh, a lot of men with a lot of testosterone and access to testosterone and access to grind, but no like actual training and education and an ability to be empathetic. But it does feel like our storyteller, I get the feeling from him that all his life and all of these pursuits and all these endeavors, he was always wanting to belong, but he always wanted to do good. Mm -hmm. And it felt like there were just always so many bad actors sort of thwarting his, his intentions or his do-gooding from, you know, Dick Cheney (laughs) and George W. Bush to, lawyers to domestic abusers to his drunk girlfriend that couldn't get him off hot coals you know and then the sheriff and the gross men using squat to shake down neighborhoods or punish victims or affair partners or getting bjs from the disenfranchised like he's always there in the midst of all of this shit trying to be the best cop swat marine that he can be and he really truly believes in in what he thinks are worthwhile good endeavors and then he just he just keeps <laughs> it's just and then, but then like these systems keep rearing their u- ugly head like mm-hmm. corporate uh corruption and greed and money and and fear of losing pensions and being part of this machine 
it stops us from doing the right thing mm-hmm. and we have to be in this machine um what do you what do you think this machine is what what makes up this machine everything man capitalism the patriarchy toxic masculinity toxicity in relationship periods on both actors men and women it's power unloved humanity unattached humanity yeah i, I do think it's a power thing and then then there's d- the way they decide what is powerful and what isn't uh what is worth you know like money is worth strength physical strength like what is what is power and then who is powerless and taking advantage of that yeah uh, the vulnerable yeah and i think the the idea that he's trying to get across is not not to use that power um for evil for evil you know i mean we're all human but he's making the case t that he's an idealist and and every organization that we see this corruption that's part of these systems he over and over tries to live by these ideals and he gets cut off at the knees every time well you know they try to trick you these these powerful people they try to trick you that there's an actual good you're doing yeah but they're just taking advantage so great i'm glad you said that oh good so what's the point If we're all part of this machine that we can't have any control of, we're being taken advantage of in all sorts of different ways. We, the the lucky of us, are able to to see it clearly. And he says it himself: if you can get ego and propaganda out of the way, and you see yourself as beautifully flawed, you're a beautifully flawed creature. Okay, I am. I am. And I said this before, but how do we stop the Dick Cheney's? Will we push back? How do we live in the now? I'm doing the work. When is the rest of the, when is the powerful, the rich and powerful and manipulators and when, when do they do the work? They don't got to do the work. Because they're, they're protected. They're, so then what's the fucking point? <laughs> I mean, it's very fatalistic to think about. It's extremely upsetting. You understand why people reach the end of their fucking rope. Oh yeah. Because to see everything as it is, to realize you can do the work and you can find, you can still find joy in this world. I can still find joy knowing that it's all corrupt and messed up and fucked up and unfixable. I can still find joy in this room. I'm enjoying talking to you right now about this. Me too. You know, even though we're talking about how we're powerless to change anything. Yeah. But it's like, you do have to seek out joy and the and the little things you have to seek out joy in the people that love you and understand you and and also feel this frustration about the world that you do it's a it's it's really hard to sit in this place and accept it and to not feel like it it's so heavy that you can't go on and you see this a, a lot of people you know especially like generation z you know, they're, they're just enter the workforce and they realize it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wait, I'm supposed to do this till I'm 65 and I can't even afford a one bedroom apartment. Like the, yeah. like what has been left for them is fucked. And I'm deep, deep in debt and I can't get out of it. Yeah. And they're seeing it for exactly what it is and they're unwilling to play along. But what do you do? If you stop, if, you're going to get deeper in debt. Exactly. And I'm not saying I have an answer. I'm saying when you contemplate it that deeply, it's hard, really hard to think about 
And this is why you think about it so long. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to watch a Christmas movie. <laughs> Those Hallmark movies. That'll do it. Have a drink. I'm going to watch uh, Christmas in Rome and have a gin martini. And this is this is how we cope. This is how we get by. And there are people, I'm not saying there aren't people out there doing like boots on the ground, hard work, activism all the time, every day. Thank God for those people. But most of us aren't like that. Most of us are, if we can afford a, a home, if we can afford a car, if we can afford Netflix, we'll just keep on keeping on mm -hmm. until something takes us. I know it's, it's kind extremely of depressing. I'm sorry. It's so sad. Yeah, that took a real turn. Really sad. I'm sorry, guys. You keep this saying so you're depressing. happy, but it's so sad, everything you're saying. Okay, let's change the subject a little bit. Let's talk about 9-11. <laughs> oh, God. That'll cheer us up, won't it? Is that the order you're going in? Okay. <laughs> I mean, what's fucked up about? Can you imagine being in the military when 9-11 happens? Especially he talks about oh, there's God. two groups. Yeah. People that are like, fuck yeah. And then people that are crying because they wanted to G take advantage of the GI Bill. I mean, that truly was the most, the biggest turning point, really, Yeah. in our lives. You know, certainly people that... uh we're in the military, you know, and can you imagine you get your assignment, you go to Iraq, you're like, why are we in Iraq? Okay, well, you told us to, so we will. Um, and then you're just told go north, no objective. I think T and I are both into logistics and planning. Yeah, this I doesn't think, seem well planned. I don't think we would have enjoyed this at all. Just keep going. And are we there? I don't know what yeah, we're did, doing. Did we do it? <laughs> and then there's just dead bodies, everyone, and all this yeah. stuff going down. Like, keep going? And he's a big dick king, and he can order air raids. He's in charge of 300 men. And all these people die. All of your, your friends die. Your friends come back with PTSD. They come back with injury. They come back suicidal. And all of these civilians die. And you find out it was all a lie. How do you sit with that? Fucking horrible. And again, this guy's an idealist. Yeah. He went there thinking that he was doing something important and that was meaningful for the world. And he got his attaboys from his family saying they were proud. But there's an emptiness that exists because he couldn't see the why of it all, the what for of it all. And to realize it's so that Dick Cheney can make a few more billion dollars has got to be a really, really horrible feeling to mm -hmm. to go through it on a on a scale that we'll never understand and i'm just gonna go through this really quickly and then he goes to the de domestic violence unit at some point i skipped over when he fights but whatever and you know he talks about he paints this picture of trying to take a baby out of someone's arm who's trying to fight you you know also horrible yeah and to see and to see that 95 percent of this shit is is just based on people being petty or other people making money off of it. And then he falls into a fucking fire. It's awful. Can you imagine having a hangover in the ICU? Oh my God. That sounds fucking terrible. Wait, so how can you... So, and then he OD'd. Because they gave him... Morphine. An opiate when he was like oh really, God. really drunk. And then he goes through surgery is horrible and recovery is horrible. And he gets out and he still has to go through SWAT. Like it's not even enough for him. Like this guy... He's like, still wanting... <laughs> He's still trying. I'd be like, I'm going to work at a bakery. F you guys. <laughs> you know, I can't do this. It's not working out. He's like, this is what I know. And he goes into SWAT. And 
again, this is like, he really is trying to do good and he keeps getting beat down by, by corruption around him, you know, talking about this dynamic home raid Mm -hmm. and what is it? What is the quote? A couple fucking grandmas and a bunch of fucking kids. It's the name of my new band. Yep. And then all because of this Facebook comment that he makes, which he's just trying to express himself. And I remember doing the pre-interview with him and we talked about this and I was like, you knew that they were looking for any reason to fire you. Why would you say that? Yep. And he says it himself. It's like, I wanted them to fire me. So I was looking for a reason. And then because he's fired, because he's besmirched, all of his friends, all of his community is gone from him. And he's completely alone. Yeah. This guy's been through some horrible shit and he keeps coming. He keeps coming. More. Well, that, you know, he did have a cocaine fueled hooker run. What does a cocaine fueled hooker run look like? I think it's very descriptive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I felt what like it is. I knew exactly what he was talking about when he said it. So he gets back to his old me. <laughs> And he calls himself a psychonaut. Do you know what that is? Is it an astronaut who takes a lot of (laughs) psychedelics? Sort of. Hanging out in space. A psychonaut refers both to a methodology for describing and explaining the subjective effects of altered states of consciousness, including those induced by meditation or mind-altering substances. The term has been applied diversely to cover all activities by which altered states are induced and utilized for spiritual purposes or their exploration of the human condition condition self-experimentation of psychedelics and groups may foster innovation of alternate alternative medication treatment a person who uses these altered states for such exploration is known as a psychonaut i'd never heard that term before I, yeah me neither so we've got another ayahuasca. It's like about exploring. Yeah. I get it. That's the not part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, totes. But you're oh. in space. It's like, you're using psychedelics. Yeah. So second up. Yeah. I like that. Trigger warning. Yes. Raped by demons for eternity was his ayahuasca trip. That was a really nice distinction, by the way. I thought it was pretty funny. I met God. I'm flying through this dimension of love. <laughs> And then raped by demons for eternity. That's what again experience was like. It's this sort of like dark way, uh, an extreme way of speaking that I I feel like has been learned among these sorts of men. Mm. Like you're you're always trying to stand out and be the funniest and the darkest and the most upsetting. We do this as well, maybe not to this degree, but so ayahuasca. He thinks he's going there for war shit and cop shit. And what's he actually going there for? The thing that we know we always have to go it's back always. for. Always. Always the childhood. Always. Ugh, so much responsibility as a parent. It's horrifying. Yeah. yeah, you better love them kids. And honestly, that's kind of all I got. Hmm. America. Oh. The South. And he talks about this. There's so much indoctrination and socialization and intentional propaganda. And we felt this, not in the South, but we, I remember feeling like a lot of patriotism and nationalism was taught to us 
we were taught that America is the best country on earth and we had the best democracy on earth and we were the freest and all that shit, right? Like you remember learning that. Mm -hmm. And there is this element of us versus them. You know, when we talk about when you're raised in America, when you talk about wars, uh, at least back then, I, I don't know what educational system is like now, you know, it is a very us versus them mentality, you know, uh, uh, freedom versus communism. Why were we in Vietnam to stop the North Vietnamese from making all of us communist? Are you, are you being, you know, but who is that? Is that Nixon or something? It's just sort of a newscaster. Oh, 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 I, thought, I didn't know when. <laughs> It was pretty good. Yes, thank you. Yeah. But when you when you read about it and what you really find out what Viet the Vietnam War was about, it was about oil, tin, and rubber. And we had to kill a million innocent Vietnamese people to hide the fact that we were there for oil and tin and rubber. I don't know, T. You have kids. I, I, I feel like you're probably... I know that you like give them immense love and they'll have every advantage and all that stuff but do you guys do you and Gwen talk about these ideas like the fact that you're gonna have to release them into these systems that you can't stop yeah we don't control? have control over that how do you deal with that you just deal with it just compartmentalize compartmentalize um go a little insane hmm. um talk about it and realize we can't do anything, but try our best to have some kind of strong foundation with them. Arm them. Yeah, arm them. But uh, you never know. You know, my parents thought they were doing that. Then they got a gay out of it, you know? Yeah, but you're really... Disappointing. <laughs> Are you kidding? I mean... Your mom thinks that you, like raise the sun each day and put it to bed each well, night now, you know yes. she's always thought that the gay thing was just Not right after it came out she still thought it that's what fucked with her yeah. she's like oh i'm just saying you can do everything you can and the thing that you don't want there to be yeah right so how do we so so we just continue watching christmas movies and drinking martinis is that what we do and I think show the kids love no matter what kind of things happen unconditionally. Yeah. Don't make them camouflage. Yeah. Let them feel comfortable enough to show their real selves and be themselves and that they belong no matter what. They're in a community that accepts them no matter how weird they are. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Hearing an episode like this is, it can be quite quite depressing yeah so to our listeners just know that we are feeling that with you and that's normal and i hope that we weren't so dark <laughs> that you don't feel like you can keep keeping on find the joys and where you can find the love where you can and know that we're part of your community and we're we're feeling it too thanks ellie oh I know. It's exhausting. It really is. I love you, T. I love you, Ellie. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. If you like us, please rate and review us on Apple or other places or reach out on Instagram.
Thanks to Anonymous for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. Thanks to This Is Actually Happening team, including Whit Mistledine and Andrew Waits, and the maker of our music and website, Nathaniel Tromboli. And thanks to Florist, Shiras for editing this episode, and to Kay Cable for building those blasted Instagram posts. You can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at traumabondedpodofficial or visit our, our website at traumabondedpod.com. As a reminder, our bonus comments episode is out and our TIAH episode 128 storyteller follow-up is out. Go listen to those. We are trauma bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thanks for spending time with us today. Love you, T. Love you, Allie.